Welcome to the podcast for Centerpoint Church. Located in the heart of Concord, New Hampshire, Centerpoint is all about living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus. The message today is a part of that journey, and we are glad to have you join us. All righty, well, good morning yet again. Here we are, beautiful feet. Here we go, marching with our beautiful feet. Of course, it's summer, so it's flip-flop season, so there's those feet right there. Right? They are beautiful because of what they do. They bring good news. And we're continuing to explore together how we bring good news, how we are witness of Jesus. And so we're going to continue doing that this morning. You know, as I pause and pray for us for just a moment, um, uh, I'm going to pray specifically. There's a couple of folks from our church who are going to be going uh, overseas as part of a mission trip with Good Soul Partners. We want to pray for them. Uh, Dean is already over there, Carrie, who's hiding in our tech booth this morning. Uh, she's going to be leaving later this week. I see uh, Dave and Lizanne are back from their trip to Ecuador, which is awesome. Been praying for you guys and are thankful for you and what you got to do. We're going to get to hear more from all of them a little bit later in our summer. Um, but but just a, a reminder for us, like as a church, like there's a lot going on here and, and folks are, are moves all around the world. And we get to be a part of that as church family, which is pretty cool. So let's just pause this morning and let's pray. God, we want to uh, be faithful witnesses to you and to who you are, what you have done. And so help us to do that in the world in which we live. God, thank you for having your hand on Dave and Lizanne and their team. What an incredible time that they had in Ecuador serving uh, medically uh, people there in need. Thank you for having your hand on them. Thank you that they're sitting amongst us once again this morning. We're grateful for that. God, thank you uh, for the opportunities that Dean has and that Carrie has uh, to go and celebrate with Good Soul Partners. We love what you're doing there in Malawi, and it's a gift uh, that uh, your kingdom is on the move there through this group. Thank you that we get to partner with them. Thank you for a couple of us that get to go. We pray that you'd have your hand on them, even as they them to be attentive to uh, your spirit and how you're prompting them and, and with them. And then I pray, Father, that you would strengthen them in their ministry there in Malawi, uh, that you would empower their words to be blessing to those that they encounter in the name of your son, Jesus. And again, God, we pray for us that you would ignite in us an imagination, a growing imagination for what it looks like to uh, join you in your missionary endeavors right here in our world. Uh, Give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, and give us hearts that are soft and pliable in your care as you teach us today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to take some time in Acts chapter 8. So we looked at the beginning of Acts chapter 8 this week, and Joe's going to read for us as we get into the the latter half of Acts chapter 8. Go ahead and take it, Joe. Yeah, sure. So turn with me to Acts chapter 8. And this morning we're going to be looking at verses 26 through 40. And before I read, uh, pay attention to what you are reading. Pay attention to what you are listening. Because when we're done reading, we're going to just ask what observations you made. What did you notice? What are you seeing as we read this passage here? So let's jump in, starting in verse 26 of chapter 8. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 
The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man (laughs) reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the good news in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So, there's a lot here. <laughs> what, what did you notice? Go ahead and, and shout it out. What jumped out to you? The eunuch. The eunuch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a major player in this passage. Yeah, what else? Say that one more time. Ah, yes, Philip's obedience. That is another major piece of this passage that we're going to unpack this morning. Yeah, good observation. Yeah, absolutely, fulfilled prophecy. So here he is reading from the scroll of Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus, and seeing how this is fulfilled in Jesus, and then Philip gets the opportunity to explain that. Yeah, great observation. Anything else? That's right, yep, so he continued to preach through all cities, even after the Spirit of the Lord takes him away, and then there was someone in the back. That's right. That's right, the Holy Spirit, right? So we've been in the book called Acts. The Acts of the Apostles could also just be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) right, through his people. Great observation. Yeah, go ahead. Ah, I don't know if everybody heard that. So Star Trek reference, so we've got a Trekkie in the house. Yeah. So so it's a beam me up Scotty reference, yeah. That, it's strange, right? Like, that's just strange. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah, good notice. Anything else? The adversity of the body, yep. Oh, diversity. diversity, diversity. Yes, oh man, that's such a, such a good observation. Yes, as the gospel continues to go out from Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, to the ends of the earth. Uh, and then there was someone else. The immediacy of baptism. Oh yeah, yeah. the immediacy of baptism. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good observation. Yeah, <laughs> especially because they were right there in a, like, a desert place. <laughs> And so there's I water there. There's water. Yeah. 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 So they didn't, I, I love that. So and, and the eagerness of yeah. the Ethiopian to right, be like, baptized. Let's do it. <laughs> in that. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah. Right. And so we're seeing all these different pieces and they begin to connect dots for us. And, and one of the things that, that I, I want to really surface up for us is really as it pertains to what th- this whole dynamic of verbal witness. And so we, we've known through this that, that we are witnesses, that when the Holy Spirit comes, uh, yes. there'll be witnesses. We're continuing on in the story. Like we are witnesses like we of Jesus. And we all corporately, exactly, yep. are, are witnesses of Jesus. And so what we see in this that ought to be really comforting for us 
and even challenging for us at the same time is that this verbal witness of Jesus comes with power Mm -hmm. as we join God on his mission to love and rescue lost people. That's right. And so it's it's seeing what God is doing here. Because sometimes that can be a little bit intimidating for us. And so uh, there are some of us who have been trained in very specific ways to share our faith. And there's very specific steps, this, 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 and this. And so then if we're going to be witnesses, we have to work really hard to get people onto our train. Because we're not sure how to do it until we get into that. And so one of the things that this can do for us, if, if that's us and maybe that's been a point of discouragement for us, is I don't know how to get people into the path that I know for us, sure. frustrated or intimidated by this notion of verbal witness and sharing Jesus with people sure. because we're not sure how to do it and maybe we don't have all the right answers or right. we don't have the system in place and maybe we learned it at one point point, we kind of keep forgetting it and we're not sure how to do these pieces. That This also ought to be encouraging because it's not about the system that we have, it's about our responsiveness to what God is already doing. Because he's already at work. He's already at work. Like any room we walk into, any conversation we engage in, God is already present and at work. And so this passage reminds us of those things. And, And as we pay attention to these pieces, it ought to feel like, oh, oh, that feels really good to us. Like yeah. it, it, there's freedom here. There's um, goodness here. And just this reminder that, that the verbal witness comes with power. Verbal witness of Jesus comes with power when we join God on his mission, which is to love and rescue people. All right. And so when we look at what are these components of, of powerful gospel witness, we, we see the, the powerful gospel witness at, at an intersection of, of several things. And, and one of those things is God's missionary spirit, right? Because we were just saying, God is always present yeah. and at work. Like that's a deep core biblical conviction that we have. Like if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, we, we believe that, that the spirit is everywhere always and he is at work everywhere always. That's right. That's right. And, and so we see that here. Remember, Philip uh, was one of the people who was scattered because of the persecution mm-hmm. that was going on in Jerusalem. He went up to yep. Samaria. Right. So here he was in Samaria. And uh, verse 26, right here. Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's so, so strange. Yeah. yeah talk, talk, talk that out a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's strange for a, a number of reasons. Uh, f- firstly, so, so think about what is the wilderness? What is the wilderness in the whole biblical story? So just think about some stories that come to mind. The desert and the wilderness was a place where things went to die in the ancient Near Eastern imagination. So like even today in the 21st century, you don't want to be out in the middle of a desert at high noon because it's going to be hot. Yeah. You're going to lack hydration. And in this day, not only could he, was he going to be lacking hydration and sustenance, but uh, he also runs the risk of being robbed. And it's, it's interesting, it, this, it specifically says it's the road that goes down from Jerusalem. He just had to flee from Jerusalem because that's where intense persecution of the followers of Jesus was happening. Yeah. So, I mean, this is all signs point to it's ominous, like don't go there. Right. But the wilderness is also, in the biblical imagination, it's also a place where God does deep work 
in and through his people. So you think about the Israelites and how they wandered around in the wilderness That's for right. 40 years because of their decision to not be obedient and to not follow the That's Lord. Right. But he did a deep work in them, even in the, in the middle of a place that was synonymous with where things go to die. Yeah, and, and kind of testing and seeing. That's right, to see what's in their hearts, to put something new in them so that they would learn to trust him in faith and obedience. Yeah, and, and it reveals who they are. That's right. So there's something revealing going on in the place of testing. Yeah. Like, so that, the word that a lot of us translated desert for wilderness, right? So that's what we're talking about, wilderness. Um, Jesus yeah. went into place, right? Yeah, he goes into the wilderness. Days in the wilderness where Israel wanders for 40 years. He is faithful where they were not. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's this, it's this place that in the ancient imagination was a place of death, but as God always does, he's always bringing redemption. That's right. And new life. And so the spirit led him there. That's right. Um, you know, through the angel of the Lord. So that's not euphemism for God. It was like an angel. It was an actual well, messenger. Yeah, an angel, a messenger of God, being. but yeah. with directives from the Lord, leading him specifically into that wilderness road. And so we go back into Jesus. Um, the spirit led Jesus into the wilderness That's right, right for this thing. And so we're seeing those same kinds of things. So why is that significant? Well, it's because it's a reminder for us that what we're seeing here take place in this new, this new thing, this church, is the things we've already seen. And so it's being tied into God's story. God's story is he reveals himself through Israel. God's story is he reveals himself through Jesus. And now it's God's story revealing himself through church, uh, exemplified people, by Philip right? here, yeah. Jesus' people. And so uh, it's, it's a reminder that these things are all tied into this story. You know, and so we see um, the spirit also towards the end of the story, verse 39. Yes. I think, Patty, we had our Star Trek moment here, <laughs> right? Beam me Beam up. Beam me up, right? Uh, yep. Verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord, so this is God, suddenly took Philip away. <laughs> Poof. Anybody ever had that happen? Uh, Any of you no. wish that would happen? <laughs> right? like you're in the middle of this class and you're not sure what the answer is. Poof, God, can you do that whole Philip thing with me? That's right. But it's not the, That's right. But it's not the first time we've seen this either, is it? No, no. So kind of in, in your own time this week, you can take a look. First uh, Kings chapter 18 and Second Kings chapter 2. Examples in the Old Testament where we see this. And what's really interesting is uh, in First Kings 18, the prophet Elijah. So a prophet in the biblical uh, imagination is someone who is God's spokesperson. So someone who is calling promise people in him. And so the prophets would come along and God would raise them up to invite the people to turn from doing life their own way to turn back to walking with God. And so we see the prophet Elijah and he's having a conversation with a man who worked for the king and the man's name was Obadiah. And it's a really tense scene where there's a famine in Israel. So there's no food. This has been going on for a number of years. And Elijah tells Obadiah, go tell King Ahab that I'm back. I'm back, baby. <laughs> and God is going to bring some... That's a death sentence for me, Elijah, because if I go back to the king, who knows where the spirit might pick you up and take you and place you. So if you're saying you're here, how do I know the spirit's not going to take you somewhere Because else? he knows that's what the spirit does. That's you're right. Kind of the like spirit, yeah, right. Transports. So, and so this is, this is a... A hyperlink, like, a, like, like on your computer, you know, you're on a web page and something's blue and you can click on it and it takes you to another page. This is a wom, wom, click me. So you click it and it takes us back to, yet again, affirming and validating 
that this message is authentic, this message is true, and this is the good news for all people that he's now inviting people into his God was already doing something in that Ethiopian eunuch's life. That's right. Which is why he prompted to like, see the chariot, go over to it. Yeah. Right, so God's spirit directed him into that space and then he pointed it out and, and the spirit said, go to that chariot. That's right. Talk to that guy. Because yep. God was already at work in that. And, and sometimes uh, it can be really intimidating for us. We come into situations and we're not sure how people are thinking about God. Ridiculous, and I'm not even sure what I'm going to say. But, but God's spirit can be trusted to us. Also pointed out. Like this is a huge act of obedience for Philip. That's exactly right. Because it's not, it's not just like, well, I, well, I look stupid, which is, which is real. We experience that, right? But it's also putting him in danger to go, to go and do this. That's like, right. Potentially. That didn't happen, but potentially this could have put him in danger. Yeah. For all the reasons that we've already talked about. Yeah. And then even when, yeah. and then even when, even when he, uh, the spirit nudges him again, verse 29, go to that chariot and stay near it. So in the, in the ancient context, he would have seen the chariot, he would have seen the eunuch in the chariot, and he would have flagged based on what he's seeing with dress, attire, perhaps what was in the chariot. He would have known that this man is a man of authority. And so this would have been very taboo in that day for him as an ordinary person to go up and, and initiate a conversation. Yeah. So there's multiple layers of acts of obedience here for Philip, including even just going up right next to the chariot and engaging a conversation. That's right. And so we're seeing God's spirit moving out, God's spirit doing what God's spirit does. That's right. Um, even if it doesn't always make sense or it seems like, <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't do that, you know, walk in a wilderness road by myself in midday, that kind of a thing. Um, go up to that spirit. But there was a response of Philip. And again, you, you drew this out a little bit here. His faithful obedience and so the, the, a powerful gospel witness, this is another place of intersection. There's the intersection of where God is doing what God does, That's right. right? His Holy Spirit on the move. And it intersects with faithful obedience. Because God has always worked with people. That's right. Since the very beginning uh, in creation. Uh, the, the humans were, were unique and God was going to exercise his rule over all creation through people. Mm-hmm who would be faithful and obedient to him. Well, that didn't work very well. <laughs> but we get glimpses of what faithful obedience looks like. Yeah. Like the, the characters of scripture are such a mixed bag for us. And so uh, because they're a mixed bag, this, this faithful obedience stands out for us. And so it was yeah. God's move through his spirit, but it was Philip's faithful uh, obedience. Yeah, so he had a choice. That's right, I don't want to go back towards... That's right, I don't want to go back towards Jerusalem. That's where that guy Saul is killing people. Uh, so I'm yeah. up here at Samaria, feeling pretty safe, yep. seeing God do good things. Right, and by the way, it wasn't, yeah, exactly. Like it was God it, is doing a powerful work through Philip absolutely. right there at Samaria. So why wouldn't he set up shop? Right. <laughs> I should stay here. Yeah. Keep doing this. But yet the Spirit says, hey, do this other thing. Mm-hmm. So that's weird. Yeah. And then and Philip follows in faithful obedience. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're talking about the, the wilderness road, the... The, the way of, the road of testing. Yeah. Like all of us have to walk a road of testing. It might not look like wilderness, right? It might look like suburbia. <laughs> it might look like neighborhood. It might look like school. It might look yeah. like even your living room. We all walk a road of testing. Will, and, and what's being tested? Will we be faithful and obedient to what we understand the promptings of God's spirit to be? Right. Right? Will we be faithful and obedient to what we understand 
the promptings of God's spirit to be in our lives. It'll be a place of testing for us. And I, I love this dynamic. Um, there we are in the midst of the, the, the desert, Right. Like it was, it was desert road, it was wilderness road. And so not only have we seen that before, but after Philip explains to the Ethiopian what's going on here, yeah. the Ethiopian wants to be baptized. Yeah. And they look around and there's water. And he says, why should, there, there's water, why should I be baptized? <laughs> right. like, like that ought to make us just stop and say, wait a second, desert, wilderness, wilderness before desert provision. comes water yeah. in the most unlikely place from a rock. <laughs> But God's water yeah. in the most unlikely place, from a rock. <laughs> but God provided water of life. So they're in the midst of death, yeah. testing. Yeah. Uh, a place, a mini, a mini Eden, a place oasis, of abundance, an oasis. Provision. Provi- yeah. That's right. And even Jesus said, I am the living water. The water. The water. <laughs> and so we've, we've seen these things before. And, and these are the places that build in us faithful obedience, where we see what God is doing. We learn to trust him in what he's doing, even mm-hmm. if we don't see it right, right in front of us right, right away. Because sometimes don't we want to like, okay, God might be prompting us to this, but I kind of want to make sure all our ducks are in a row before we start walking down the <laughs> and, road. And the Bible's not opposed to planning. It talks a lot about planning. Sure. Right? So we make good plans, but we can't control everything. Yeah, I was going to say, as James, Jesus' younger brother said, right, we make our plans... But we've got to say, but if the Lord wills. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, Dave and Lizanne, you guys made phenomenal plans as you went to Ecuador. You're leading a team of over 50 people. <laughs> you planned really well. But things go different, don't they? Right? And so, when, <laughs> like, when we're following in obedience to the Lord, we can have a mind. But we got to just be able to go with what's there because God is at work in it. And so this faithful obedience right. holds plans like this. Not like this. Like we're, we're to control things. Full obedience looks like. And so itiveness in us is this intersection of God's mission and doing so in this seekers. Curious seekers. And so in this story, we see this Ethiopian eunuch. And we've talked a little bit about that, but, but share a little bit more about this dynamic. Like who is this guy? And yeah. what are some of the things that we can know about him simply by the context? Yeah, I mean, so, so we see here in verse 27 that it says he's an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen. I mean, that's, that's a really important position <laughs> that he has. He's got, he's got the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, which, which would have been an anomaly back in that day for an individual to, to be able to, to read. Yeah, he didn't just whip it out on his phone. Correct. And, and start scrolling through it. He didn't even, yeah. have, even, didn't even have this. Well, and, they were, and they were very expensive to have. Yeah. Right, so, so, this is yet, so these are all little cues that are inviting us to see that he's a man of great position and he's got a lot of wealth. And he had to do, get it on purpose. But yeah, that's He had right. to get it on purpose. It wasn't just that he stayed overnight at, at you know, Super 8 and there was a Gideon version of Isaiah. That's right. Scroll there. Yeah. He had to like go get it. Yeah, and so he got, it says that he was on his way back from Jerusalem, and he had, he had gone there to worship. So this is really fascinating. So he's, we'll see later in, in Acts chapter 10 this idea of somebody who's, who's God-fearing. So and there's something attractive about the God of Israel, who's actually the God of all people, convert to Judaism because he was a eunuch. This is actually something that's prohibited back in uh, Deuteronomy, where it talks about how a eunuch wouldn't be able to enter into the temple. Yeah. of the Lord. But yet there's something that's attractive to this Ethiopian 
uh, attractive to him about the God of Israel. Yeah. And it's, it's beautiful because we know from the Old Testament story that God always, his plan and purposes was always for all people. And it was gonna be through the family of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that he would bless Abraham's family and turn them into a blessing for all of the nations. And now here we are post-resurrection and this is going out and the invitation is now being going to all the nations to come into the kingdom. And so someone pointed out the diversity of the family of God here. And so this, right. this gentleman, he's actually the first non-Jewish individual to come to know Jesus in the book of Acts. So even the Samaritans, they, they were kind of partially, partially Jewish um, ethnically. That's another link back to the Old Testament. But he's the first full non-Jewish individual yeah. to enter into God's family. And this is a man from Ethiopia in Africa and church tradition holds that he went back and he then shares this with his people and they come to know Jesus. Yeah, and Jesus came into Northern Africa. Yeah. Uh, through that, which yep. is pretty remarkable. Yeah. And there's this dynamic where he's, he's a eunuch. Like that's not it's an really insignificant important. part to this. It, it tells us, it, it was probably part of why he could serve how he served. That's right. It was, so that was a common thing. Um, it, you, but you meaning it, serve in his role in under his the role queen. under the queen That's exactly, right. yep. and so then you he's trying, worshiping Yahweh. Yeah, he's been to Jerusalem. He's reading Isaiah, right. and and while there's the specific part of Isaiah that Luke is talking about, like there's he's got the whole scroll, yeah. and and you had just mentioned in Deuteronomy 23, it says explicitly the eunuch doesn't get to come in. That's right. Um, and, and I just want to read, so this is not going to be on the screen or anything, but turn to Isaiah 56, if you got your Bibles with me. I, Isaiah's Ethiopian eunuch would have read this. He had the scroll of Isaiah, so he would have read this. Let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree, for this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple, so you're being drawn in, give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. Now imagine you're in this place um, where because of this physical dynamic, you, you aren't allowed in. And then you read these words that says, yeah, even to you, yeah, even to you, come on in. Right? And one of the things that he would have wrestled with as a eunuch is, is not having progeny. Yeah, which was a huge deal in that day. Yeah. And that Isaiah passage, even in 53, is talking about... Um, like not having a generation, um, not having progeny. It, it's, a, it's a difficult passage to, um, to really translate, but verse 33 in, in our Acts passage, uh, who can speak of his descendants? So here's, he's talking about the one who was cut off. Messiah would be cut off. Uh, his life would be cut short, and he wouldn't even have descendants. Now, again, this is like, because Scripture invites us into the story, it allows us to wonder about some of these pieces. So I wonder if he's reading this going, oh, I'm, I'm somebody who doesn't get to have Messiah. And when he comes, it's not going to be in thundering victory, but his victory will come through suffering. Yeah. And part of his suffering is that he's going to be killed before he even has childless. descendants. Yeah, right. He's going to be childless. Huh. 
I, I wonder if the Ethiopian eunuch began to see himself in the story of the gospel. Yeah. And what God was, was doing. Right. I'm, just, I'm just wondering if that's part of what was pulling him in. And imagine the curiosity that he would have had. Right. Yeah, and I think that's such an important point because Jesus, Jesus meets us where we're at. Jesus meets people all around you where they are at. And he is relatable to everyone in different ways. That's right, that's right. Say that again. Jesus meets us. Jesus meets us. He meets you, he meets me, and he meets everybody around us where we are at and where they are at. Yeah. Right? Uh, and he is relatable in different ways to us uniquely. Yeah. In ways that are drawing us to himself. That's right. That's right. And, 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 and he is drawing in different ways. You look at the Samaritan woman at the well. Yes. It was, right. So we talked about water as he revealed himself. Um, uh, talked to Zacchaeus, who'd never have anybody religious come to his home. And he says, I'm yes. going to come to your home. And, so, and like even he, this in Isaiah 53, it's, it's describing the Messiah, the one who would come one day, and he's going to be like a sheep and a lamb led to slaughter. Mm-hmm. And that, in the Jewish economy, that would have made so much sense because the, he's talking about atonement. That's right. He's talking about sacrifice, that he was actually going to be the sacrifice to take their sin, to make a way for them to be new. That's right. Yeah. And this is how they get welcomed in. Right, and so it's just another example of, of relatability to a different, different people. That's Does right. that make sense? That's right. Yeah. And, and so as we engage with people around us, and even some of you here today, like there, there's a question like, is this for me? Is this for me? Right. Because sometimes there can be a bunch of barriers and perceptions, misperceptions, correct? misperceptions about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so people ask, the, like, is this for me? Or, or this really isn't for me. And so it's a reminder for us that, that powerful verbal witness of Jesus comes at the intersection of God's spirit moving, yeah. faithful obedience, these curious seekers where God is meeting them, where we get to meet them where they are. God... We, we meet them where they are, not where we want them to be. Or where we think they ought to be. Or we're where we think they ought to be. <laughs> exactly. Right. Because sometimes we'll do that too, as opposed to being attentive to what God is already stirring in their lives. Because God loves them even more than we do, and God is already at work in their life. And so being attentive to what God is doing um, is an important part of this verbal witness. And so the context provides clues for us, provides cues for us of the beginning point. What is good news for them in this moment? Mm, what is good news question. for them in this moment? Um, I love the story you shared with me. Um, would you mind sharing it with the rest of us? Uh, thinking of your, your neighbor? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, like most of you probably have neighbors or you've got coworkers who are your neighbors at work, <laughs> so to speak, or your neighbors at school, for those of you in school. Um, and so my, my wife and I are pretty new to our neighborhood. We've been there since Labor Day of last year. And, and so we're just slowly getting to know kind of the people around us. And, and I'm, I, I, I try, I don't do it perfectly. I try to be attentive to where do I see God at work around me? And most of the time he shows up in ways that I don't expect and certainly never on my timing. It's never convenient. <laughs> and so uh, one, one of our neighbors, I, I've gotten to interact with, with this person and um, pretty early on in one of my first interactions with them, they were, they were sharing uh, a story kind of about some difficulties in their background. And I was just listening, just listening, wanting to be attentive to what, what is God up to. 
And they really started to open up. And I was just asking questions, not, and not in a like assessing or leading kind of way, but just I genuinely care about this person who I'm getting to know. Uh, and so they quickly opened up and, and were really sharing some things that were deeply painful for them in their past. And then they, they kind of this moment of like the, the, this breakthrough of tears, like God gave us tears on the outside for a reason. And so I, I, I was, it was a little awkward. I didn't know, like, am I supposed to say something now? Am I supposed to, and I just felt like I wasn't supposed to say anything, just give, offer a hug to this person. So I just, can I give you a hug? And he just threw tears, yeah. So he gave me this, this big hug. And he's, he's not a small guy. Like, that's a bear hug. That's a bear hug. The, the, yeah. Yeah. Right. For someone like me, that was a bear, <laughs> it was a bear hug. Uh, it, it, was, it was beautiful to see because what that did was then that has opened up subsequent conversations just as we're doing the normal rhythms of life. Yeah. And I see my neighbor out and sometimes it's a 30 second conversation and sometimes it's a 90 minute getting to deep stuff. Yeah. And so I've even had an, an opportunity to, to pray with this neighbor. Um, I, it was awkward for me. And you're like, well, Joe, you're a pastor and you've got training around this. Like, it's still, it's still hard. It's not easy. Right. Because it requires me to be vulnerable. It requires me to, to be in tune with what the Spirit is doing. And so I've, I've even asked if I could pray with this neighbor. Um, and so I said, do you mind if I, do you mind if I put my hand on your shoulder when I pray for you? Oh, no, 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 go ahead. So I, I prayed and it was just a quick thing. And he, he opened up his eyes. He just, his words, not mine. He just said, your faith in Jesus is beautiful. Yeah. And so, so he didn't come to know Jesus yet, yeah. but <laughs> I'm just confident that he's seeing something different because he tells me that. Like, yeah. that's not me saying that. Yeah. And so I just want to be faithful and attentive to what God's doing. Yeah, and as you're doing that, you're, you're, you're inviting his curiosity. Yeah, And I inviting so. a softness in his heart. Um, and sometimes we'll feel pressure, like get it all the way across the finish line. Yeah. But that, that may or may not be our role in a particular moment, mm -hmm. but it's what is God doing here and how can I be a part of it? And, and yep. you stepped into that. Um, you know, I think about, uh, you know, John and, and Steve, yeah. a couple of guys yeah. that just, I think even since, since, uh, we started talking about acts and what it looks like to bear witness, oh, so good. they've been really intentional and in just coming and hanging out downtown here in Concord. Yep. And, uh, as, they engage with people. They'll just start with, hey, um, we pray. Is there any way that we can pray for you? That's so beautiful. And not everybody stops and says yes, right, John? Not everybody stops and says yes. But, but plenty do say, okay. And they get a chance to pray with them. And sometimes they get to even talk a little bit more with them. Yeah. And it's just they're, they're being intentional with the prompting of God <laughs> and being open to what God wants to do in this moment. And inviting in, again, not like, you got to, but inviting in, drawing in, and it's softening hearts and seeing what's going on. Um, Steve was just telling me this morning that uh, during market days this last weekend, he was sitting out there, and a guy walked by and said, hey, wait a minute, I know you. So he's like, really? Right? Because that's a little, like, was it from the post office wall? I'm not really sure. So how do you know? And uh, so Steve was like, like, yeah, you prayed for me. Isn't that cool? That's so like cool. it was. It was just meaningful, and and so I love the creativity and and oh. how you're reaching your neighbor and um, right. So all around us, God is doing these things, and and we get to be attentive to the curiosity and and meeting people where they're at draws them in and invites um, a, a softness. Like they don't have to be defensive yeah. about it, but a softness. Well, in those in those stories, like those stories are important for us to share with each other. Yeah. Uh, because what it does is it not only stokes our imagination, but it also stokes our passion 
Yeah. Right? So, so it's good news for the people that we're sharing it with and that we're praying with, that we're witnessing to, but it's also good news for us. Because in the process of taking those steps of obedience, it's stripping us of reliance upon ourselves. Yeah to take that step of faith. Because faith is always embodied, right? That's right. It's not just something that I have up in my head. It's something that I live out of. And we're empowered by the Spirit. The That's Spirit, right. the Spirit who hovered over the chaos waters of creation and brought order out of chaos. Life uh, and light out of darkness and death. And he's the same Spirit that Paul talks about who raised Jesus from the dead. That Spirit, that Spirit lives in you. That Spirit lives in us. That's right. And this is what he wants to do. That's right. You know, and so as, uh, as Philip engaged with the Ethiopian, met him where he was at. Yeah. Tell me about this passage. Who is this? I need to know this. <laughs> um, and then look at verse 35. Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Mm. Right? Because mm. that's, that's where Philip leads him. That's, that's where verbal witness gets to go. Sometimes it's right yeah. into that moment. Other yeah. times it's seeds get planted and it's another moment. But, but we're pointing towards Jesus, um, who he is, what he's done. And notice, like uh, Philip, beginning with that passage, he explained who, who's being talked about here. And so we'll notice this just in the first eight chapters of Acts. Whenever anybody is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, it's always in the context of how God has been revealing himself. Mm-hmm. So all of this points to the Messiah, who we now know as Jesus. We know it was Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth is Messiah, the Christ, right? Jesus, the Christ. And it's pointing to this place because that's where freedom is. And so Philip met him where he was and he pointed him to Jesus, right? And so the good news of Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah and Lord. And it keeps coming back to this over and over and over again, this proclamation, Jesus is Messiah, Right? Israel's Messiah and Lord of all creation. Jesus is Messiah and Lord. God's promise is happening. God's promise is happening. And the human heart is, is touching it, right? There, there, there's a hunger here. And even as we meet people where they're at, one of the things that, that I feel like I've been learning is... Um, uh, how do we point towards this good news? And so, you know, I might have a conversation with uh, a waiter at a restaurant, and I try to go to some of the same places so that I get to know people and uh, get to hear their stories and invite the stories. And so there was one day, uh, one of them was telling me about her family, mm. and uh, she was just really sad for her daughters that were really struggling with a couple of things, adult daughters. And, uh, and she uh, was going to pray for, for them. But there was something in her that, that I could speak to just very simply and just say, oh, it makes sense that you have such an ache for your daughters. God made you to love your daughters because he loves them, right? I'm not of God's love and how God meets people where they're at. And there are these moments, sometimes they're even just quick moments that we get to, to name what, what's, what's good news in this moment. When somebody's hurting about the way the world is, like, oh, that makes sense that you're really struggling with the way the world is. Um, the world wasn't made to yeah, be like this. That's right. The, the world was made with an ideal goodness. Oh, God made the world on purpose so that I struggle with that too, right? And so we get to name these pieces in doing so, drawing in a curiosity. And sometimes it's a, nope, don't want to go further. That's and true. sometimes it's a, tell me more. And as the invite to tell me more, like Philip, we get to say, well, this is what Jesus has done. Mm. 
This is who he is. This is what he's done. And this is what this means for us. And so God's promise is happening. New creation has begun in the resurrection of Jesus. And you can be a part of it because he has overcome sin and death. You don't have to prove yourself, but are forgiven your sin and are welcomed into new life where Jesus is Lord. And so this is where we continually draw people. Jesus as Messiah and Lord. Yep. Right, And we can talk about it in different ways. We see in scripture, they talk about it in different ways, but it anchors in who Jesus is, what he's done, and what it means for us to be with him and what he has done for us. And, and that's what we get to talk about. And I love, I love that, that story uh, of what you described with uh, the weight person because it, it just shows how God is always at work around us. And the great, one of the greatest gifts that you can give to someone else, one of the simplest ways to love your, love your neighbor as yourself is through the gift of attentive listening. Yeah. Like in society today, everything is fast paced. We're distracted by so many different things. Just giving someone attention in a genuine, real way, we're just paying attention and listening. Um, And as we sit in that attentiveness, then we hear, oh, here's where God's already at work. Yeah. And then we're drawing attention to where God's already at work in that person's life because everybody's looking for something. That's right. They just, some of them don't even know that they're looking for Jesus, right? But that's, right. But that's who they're looking for. And so I find that really helpful because it takes the pressure off. That's right. It's not a prefabbed message that I have to have memorized. Um, it's not me trying to arm twist somebody into the kingdom. Because the deep core conviction is that the Holy Spirit is drawing people to Jesus everywhere, always. And then he invites us to participate in that through attentive listening and conversation where we're proclaiming the good news yeah. to individuals. And, here, and here's another piece that I want to encourage you with. Um, if you're in dialogue with someone and they have questions about your faith and you don't have answers, it's okay to say, I don't know. That's a really great question. Um, because you're inviting participation, and then what it allows you to do is go back, search the scriptures, That's right. search in your church community, and go, I actually don't know, can you help me with this? Because this friend of mine had a really good question, and I yeah. don't know myself. So it's not this pressure of we've got to preload all of the answers, and then we can go out and share Jesus. It happens as we go. That's right. And then, and then prayer becomes a great way to... Share, share faith with Absolutely. people because God's going to do something in their life that we could never do. Absolutely. All right, so we've talked about this powerful uh, gospel witness as the convergences, and, and there is risk in it. Like, he'll lead us into the place <laughs> of testing. The, what's hard and what's maybe scary or intimidating isn't a sign that God's not in it because he's often leading us to that place of testing. Yeah. And the question becomes, yeah. will we be obedient? Will, be, will we be faithful to join him in that? Yeah. And so uh, as we wrap up our time, I kind of want to hit hit big three for us. All right. So, so what are, what are three things we can take in our pocket as we look at what God has been sharing with us here in Acts chapter eight? All right. So let's, let's talk real quick about these big three. One, right. First one is go where God goes, go where God goes. The good news is God goes everywhere, (laughs) right? But it's a reminder for us, go where God goes. God prompts you here, do it. God prompts you there, do it. You might be wrong, Right? But that's, that's the risk. As you understand the promptings of God, go where God goes. <laughs> Second one is, see who God sees. Hmm. See who God sees. God is at work in people's lives even before you show up there. See who God sees. See them with his eyes. Don't be so hurried and quick and keep your eyes down, keep your stuff in a phone, kind of whatever it is. See who God sees. All right? And then offer them good news. 
What does good news sound like for them in this moment? Right? That's the third one. Offer good news. And we offer Jesus in this good news. Mm-hmm. All right? Go where God goes. See who God sees. Offer him Jesus. And this is what it looks like to live out a life of powerful gospel witness as we walk with him. All right, let's pray together. God, do a work in us. Give us eyes to see as you see. Give us courage to go where you go. Father, give us prompting of your spirit to name the good news, the good news of Jesus as we talk, that we might bear faithful witness to who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Stand with us, if you would. It's possible that you're here, maybe even listening online, and you have actually never made that decision to follow Jesus. But there's something in you that is stirring, that is hungry. That hunger is there from God. The questions you're asking are proof that God is at work in your life. And he loves you and is drawing you to himself. Today can be your day of salvation and life. If you want to talk with somebody about that, we're going to have a prayer team right over here. They'd love to pray with you that you might know new life in him and him alone. Don't walk out of here without settling that for yourself. And if there's any other reason we can pray for you, we'd love to do that as well. And as you go, as you bear his grace, as you bear his name, you are his witnesses empowered by his spirit. Walk with him. Go where God goes. See who God sees. And offer him Jesus as you do. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next week at the fields. Take a little bit to stop and reflect on what God might be saying to you and how you'll respond to him today. Wherever you are on your journey of faith, we are here to serve you. Find us at centerpointnh.org and join us on the journey of living and sharing a life-changing relationship with Jesus.